So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And before we read this, just let me kind of illustrate the context of this verse, because this is a, a prophetic verse. Yes, kids, go ahead and head back to Kids Church at this time. They have pizza, ice cream, and puppy dogs. So. <laughs> so Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And again, just the context of this verse, because this is a prophetic verse that is looking forward to the birth of Christ. This was actually written between seven and 800 years before the birth of Christ. And it reveals to us, this one verse in verse 6 of chapter 9, reveals to us some of the names, some of the characteristics, some of the titles of Jesus, and I just want to read that one verse. It says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, <laughs> and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This morning I want to camp out at the name Everlasting Father. All right, we're going to camp out right there at that name, Everlasting Father. Jesus, Jesus will be called Everlasting Father. Now, when we say that word Father, uh, that word Father is very, 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 very personal to each and every one of us here. Uh, Jesus being revealed to us as Father in our life, that word Father begins to elicit images, memories, and emotions, and that begins to churn up in us when we think about that word Father. Because maybe for some in here this morning, maybe uh, the memories and the images of, of, of Dad or, or your Father are fantastic. Maybe dad was great, and when you think about him, you have great memories. But I can, and I can tell you this as a father myself, and I think I speak for all dads that are in here, it's not easy being a dad. Amen. Two of us. All right. You guys have it all down. You come preach this thing. <laughs> come on, men. Help me out. Don't leave me hanging. It's not easy being a dad. Don't look at your wife and say, can I say amen? <laughs> it's not easy being a dad. Yes. You look at TV. What does TV try to show fathers are? We're just the doofuses of the family, right? Come on, somebody. That's what TV tries to show, you know, that we're, we're, we're not even needed anymore, you know. And so it's just... But, you know, that, that, that stuff just, just, just comes through our media. I, I remember Father, you know, Mother's Day and Father's Day, when you go to church, I, and, and I, I, I knew when I became pastor I, uh, and became in ministry, I wanted to change this. Because whenever you would go to a Mother's Day message, they'd gather for Mother's Day, and moms would have all their kids there, and the preacher would always preach on Proverbs 31, and how every woman in the church was a Proverbs 31 woman, and you're beautiful, and you're blessed, and you can do this and we couldn't make it without you and then you'd walk in for Father's Day and the preacher would stand behind the pulpit and give us a challenge and tell us how bad we were and how we need to step it up as men sometimes I want someone to call me beautiful come on somebody sometimes I want someone to look at me and say you're doing awesome dad and so sometimes being a dad be hard even in the church right. I know as a dad we're far from perfect we make our fair share of mistakes and if you grew up and you look back at your your dad your father 
and the memories you have are good ones, man, be thankful. What more could we ask for as a dad? I pray that when my kids get older, I know right now they may look at me and go, I do not understand why you make us do the things that we do. And I do not understand why you won't let us do the things we want. They may look at it, but I hope when they get older, they look back and say, you know what? Dad was right. It's funny how the older I get, the smarter my dad gets. Come on, somebody. The reality is, though, this morning, not every one of us have memories like that about our dad. And all of a sudden, when we think about that word father, be it good or maybe, you know, but he's far from perfect, or maybe just not being good at all, what we tend to do is we tend to do this. We tend to project the image of our earthly father onto our everlasting father. When we look at Jesus, our everlasting father, through the ends of our earthly father, as, as a father, man, this, this almost scares me that if I blow this, how my kids grow up thinking that Jesus is like dad. I mean, that can be very dangerous. Yeah. And, and because all of a sudden things can get foggy when they don't see Jesus very clearly because of the image they're looking at him through, through their earthly father. And because we look at him through the lens of our earthly father. When we look at Jesus, our everlasting father, the lens of our earthly father, we may see a father who maybe sometimes was just never satisfied. Right. Maybe the words, I love you, or I'm proud of you, Maybe those were elusive to you as a child or even now as an adult. Kind of like the winning numbers of the lottery. You just couldn't quite get them right. Maybe your dad never said that. And somehow you began to be perfect for dad. Because you so coveted his acceptance and his affirmation. And yet it was never there. I've told you about my dad. My dad was a great man, a great godly man. But my, my dad, man, if he, if he was here, he'd tell you that uh, he made his fair share of mistakes. And growing up, one of the things that he, he just didn't, he didn't express affirmation. He didn't express appreciation. He didn't express affection. I've told you all the story about my family versus my wife's family and how that, that was just different when we got married, you know. My, when my mom and dad got married, when my mom and dad, you know, me growing up underneath their care and their leadership, I hardly ever saw mom and dad hold hands. And when I saw him holding hands, what's going on there? That's nasty, right? And then you move to Jenny's mom and dad, and my goodness, they're just gross, right? They love each other, and everybody knows it, right? And that just that that caused a lot of a lot of things to work through in our marriage because she expected that and I expected you know maybe to hold hands every now and then and you know when we were holding hands man things were getting hot back up (laughs) back up woman (laughs) you know we're not even married yet right (laughs) but uh my dad those affection affirmation that that it just wasn't a part, and it wasn't just him. I, I see that through a lot of family members as well. And uh, um, so I began to perform. I began to perform. I, I began to try to do everything perfect. I didn't just want to do the best. I wanted to be the best. 
I didn't just want to do my best in sports. I wanted to be the best player on the field. I didn't just want to do my best in the FFA contest. My dad was an ag teacher, and so I didn't just, you know, I, I grew up in FFA and 4-H, and I didn't just want to do the, I didn't just want to do my best at, at showing livestock. I wanted to be the best, and so I began to perform because I wanted so badly to hear my dad tell me how proud he was of me. And then when mom passed away, things really shifted. When mom passed away, and, and God began to do a, just an incredible work. And my dad, and again, even before that, dad was a godly man, but that was just things that never come out of his mouth. But when mom passed away, things just shifted. And I found out that he was proud of me. He, he told everyone in the community how proud he was of me all the time. But I, I, I didn't hear it a lot. And so dad's, it's not Father's Day, but let me challenge you. <laughs> Say those words. Look in your kids, look in your grandkids and say those words. Yeah. Let them know how proud of them you are. Oh, yeah. Let them know how you love them. Thank you, Jesus. And that love is not based upon their performance. Right. When they're playing a sport or they're doing a play and they mess up or they miss a basket, you look in them and you tell them, I love you. I don't care about that. I love you. Yeah. And just, just come on, somebody. This Thank is good you, preaching. Yeah. Maybe, sadly, some of you who have experienced... Uh, something along those regards and you performed for your dad and uh but maybe you went even to the point of rebellion to get your father's attention i know not anyone in here that's the other churches all right but maybe you went to the point of rebellion and now we've taken that same perspective when we bring it into our relationship with our with, with, with our everlasting Father, with Jesus Christ, and we really don't believe that God is truly satisfied with us, and so we try to do what we can to get him to share his love to us. And so when we look at our everlasting Father through the lens of our earthly Father, not only may we see a Father who's never satisfied, but maybe we see through the lens of our earthly Father, maybe we see a Father who's always angry. Maybe you're here this morning when you come home, when you were growing up, or maybe even right now you come home and, and when you walk into the house, it's like everybody was walking on eggshells around your home. And you're just kind of whispering because you felt that at any moment that could just fly off the handle. And, and maybe anger, you thought anger would fill the house and maybe you, your dad said words to you. And I used to think when preachers would say stuff like this, that they're just fill in time and because I thought there's no way any dad's going to say that to their kids things like we never meant to have you you are an idiot you were a mistake you're never going to amount to nothing now I used to think that you know preachers were just throwing stuff out because no one ever says that then I got in youth ministry and I'm telling you every Wednesday night we deal with kids at the rock whose parents have spoken this and even worse Things over their life that I'm telling you that it will not leave their mind unless it's an act of God. Yeah. And we're dealing with things that, that mom or dad or coaches or teachers or whatever it might be, maybe people who, who say they love them have spoken over, over their life things like that and it's just ripped them apart. And maybe that's someone in here this morning, things like that were spoken over to you and it's just ripped you up on the inside. And an audience this large, statistics tell us that there may be a number sitting here this morning that have not only experienced maybe painful words from your father, but maybe you're here this morning and you experience actual actions of abuse from your father. I'll never forget the story that, that I read about one lady who said as a little girl, her father sexually molested her. And he was a, 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 a strong member in the church and nobody knew any of this was going on. And, 
And whenever he was in the act of molesting her, he would quote the Bible. He would quote Ephesians 6.1, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. What a horrible way to use the scripture. And so he, he would go and he would twist that and he would just, he would just force himself. Up. And if that's been your journey, maybe someone in here, maybe it's not been that extreme. But, maybe, but if that's been your journey at some point, at some what? And you see your everlasting father through the lens of your earthly father. And when I talked about that word father, you just kind of got a bad feeling in your gut. Listen, I'm going to be here and I'm going to tell you, I, I can't blame it if you walk through that. And I'm, I'm sorry that that has happened into your life. And I'm sorry that that's happened uh, upon you. But, but I, I want you to look at Jesus, our everlasting father, not through the lens of our earthly father. I want you to look him through the lens of scripture. We're going to get to that here in just a second. But maybe you've seen something even worse. Maybe, or maybe you've seen a father who was always angry, a father who's never satisfied, or, or maybe you saw a father who was never there. Maybe you grew up a victim where dad was not there. Maybe you grew up where, you know, in, a, in a divorced home and you're used to mom and dad, and mom and dad separated, and you, you never got to see your father much after that. Or maybe your dad just flat walked out on you. Maybe dad was just ripped apart from your family's life. Maybe he missed your first basketball game. Maybe he missed your first dance recital. Maybe he wasn't there to sit on the foot of the bed with you when your first boyfriend or girlfriend broke your heart and left you crying. Maybe dad wasn't there. And when you think of that word father, you think of someone that's not there. Come on, I'm preaching real this morning. And maybe your journey has not been anything like that, anything that we've talked about, but maybe it has. We've all got our own story, but just wait for a second. I want you to lay this down. And I, I want to give Jesus a chance this morning to reveal to us who he really is. And I want to give Jesus a chance to reveal to us that not to look at through the lens of our earthly father, but to look at him through the lens of scripture this morning, of who he really is. Because when we do, we're going to see an everlasting father maybe you've never seen before. Because when we do, we're going to see uh, a, a guy in Scripture that uh, we're going to see an, an everlasting father who, number one, is compassionate. Right, is everybody okay? Has everybody made it through okay? Because we're about to s- snort and spit and buck and spit. All right, it's going to be fun. Because now we're going to get to some good stuff. Now, I, I want you to see your everlasting father is compassionate. Psalm 103 says this. It says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Praise God. Let's read that again. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. That's my Father. Amen? Amen? Amen. That's my Father. Did you hear that? He's compassionate, he's slow to anger, and he's abounding in love. One of the most liberating moments that I've ever experienced in my life and that I've ever seen other people experience is when that moment comes, when we realize that there is nothing that we can do. Zero. Zilch. Nothing. Nada. Nothing. I looked that word up, nothing in the Greek. It means nothing. I looked it up in the Hebrew. It means nothing. I looked it up in Latin. It means nothing. I looked it up in English. Nothing means nothing. There is nothing that you can do to earn God's love. It's not on you. Woo! Yes. 
And maybe you're sitting here this morning and maybe you've had to perform for dad or for other people in your life and you perform because you didn't believe people accepted you and you perform because you've taken that, that approach with your relationship with your everlasting father and you've been working it and working it. You go to church, you read your Bible, you pray, you do this, you do that. And listen, those things are good. We need to be doing that. But it's not a checklist. It's because I'm overwhelmed by the grace and the love of my father. That's why I go to him in prayer. That's why I attend church. That's why I give. Because my God is a gracious God. He's not a mean God. He's not a mad God. He's not an angry God. He loves you. Yeah. He loves you. Yes, yes he does. Thank so, he's compassionate. We've been working and been working and been working. And in the words of Jesus, check this out. He says this. Everyone who's trying to perform. To earn God's love. Everybody says, I, I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to do this. Listen to what Jesus himself says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, yeah. and I will give you rest. Yeah. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Hallelujah. Woo, rest. Anybody just need rest this morning? <laughs> Don't do it right now. Don't do that. Okay. If you look at your neighbor and they're in rest, you wake them up. This ain't, this ain't the time. Okay, I don't come try to preach when you sleep. Don't come try to sleep when I preach. That's good. <laughs> 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 ah, moving on. We'll move on. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm humble. And you'll find rest for your soul. Rest. 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 Live a life that glorifies God. But listen, his acceptance is not based upon your performance. His acceptance is not based upon your performance. My daughter's acceptance to me as her father is not based upon, I'm not going to go to her and say, Jax, you play basketball Tuesday night. You don't have 12 points, 5 rebounds, and at least 5 assists. You ain't in my family anymore. Okay, I did twice, but that's it, Okay. <laughs> Her acceptance is not based upon her performance. Your acceptance. Man, that's revelation for someone in here. Your acceptance is not based upon your performance. Amen. If it is, we're all in trouble. We're all messed up. When we look at him, Jesus, our everlasting father, through the lens of Scripture, we're going to see that he is an everlasting father who's compassionate. We're also going to see, number two, he's a father who cares. Look at your neighbor and shout, care. He cares. This is God speaking to you, and I want you to feel this. He's not angry. He will never abuse you. Let me read this, and I want you to internalize this. I want you to feel this. He says this, I know the plans I have for you, plans to hurt you and abuse you and to make you feel worthless. Right? I must have got the wrong version. Nah, he says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. Not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I was listening to a marriage counselor the other day who said one time when he was asking, uh, he was asked to be on a panel. And they, on the panel, they just asked him, how did you become one of the leading marriage counselors uh, in our denomination? And he said, in all my years of helping people and counseling people through marital challenges, I've discovered that if a person can get an environment where someone really loves them, and they know it, 
And if a person can get in an environment where someone really believes in them and they know it, and if someone can get in an environment where someone is cheering for them and they know it and they believe in them and they know it, if someone can get there in that environment and they know it, they're already halfway home. They're already halfway home. If there's one thing you get today, get this, and I want you to know this. Your everlasting Father is compassionate. He cares for you. His plans are for you, for a hope, for a future, to prosper you. He's not angry. He loves you. He cares for you. And if that's all you get this morning, you're halfway home. You're halfway home. We look at him through the lens of Scripture, and we see Jesus, an everlasting Father, who's, in, who's incredibly passionate, caring beyond what we can comprehend. We look at Jesus, an everlasting Father, and we're also going to see, finally, uh, we're going to see a Father who, number three, is always there. Yes. He's always there. Yes. Hebrews 13 tells us this. Jesus is speaking to you and to me, and this is not the opinion of man. This is our everlasting Father. Now I want you to realize when we read this, what is this first word that he says in that chapter? He says, never, never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. Never. I looked that up in the Greek. It means never. I looked it up in the Hebrew. It means never. I looked it up in the Latin. It means never. And I looked it up according to Webster, and it still means never. Never. I even heard Taylor Swift sing a song about it. Never. The last time I looked at the definition this morning, never still meant what? Never. Never. Back in the spring, our two littles, that's what we call our two uh, younger daughters, Josie and Gentry. Back in the spring, they were outside playing, and Gentry tripped, and she fell on gravel. Worship team, y'all go ahead and come to the front. I know, all the home crowd's shocked. They're like, 11.30, are you kidding me? <laughs> but uh, back this spring, they were outside and they were playing. And it was back before they had, had uh, redone our road in front of us, and it was all asphalt. There was gravel out there, and Gentry tripped, and she fell on gravel. And she comes running in the house, and Jenny wasn't there. Jenny had... Had uh, went, went down to the store and Gentry just, I, I hear her running in, just blood curling, screaming. You know, <laughs> caught me last week after Bedlam, just blood curling, <laughs> screaming, right? And Gentry jumps up in my arms and uh, I grab her and she's crying. And I notice that her knees are a little bloody, I notice her elbows are a little bloody, and, and um, she's doing that cry thing that little kids do. <laughs> You know, and they're, you're trying to catch her, you know, they're trying to catch their breath, and, you know, and, and she, she's doing that, and I, and I pull her, and I'm like, honey, what's, what's the matter? And she couldn't even talk. She just, you know, and uh, that's me after Thanksgiving meal, right? And that fourth piece of pumpkin pie really did it for me. But she come in, and she just, and and I, I just pull her in. I'm like, it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be. And she finally says, I tripped on the rocks. I tripped on the rocks. And, and, I, and I, I hold her in my arms. And, and I just begin to whisper in her ear. And I begin to pray for her. And uh, uh, one thing that 